Today's TripCast is presented by Texas Tech University. Discovery happens every day at Texas Tech. Whether great or small, each discovery contributes to making our economy healthier, our lives better, and our country stronger. Visit today.ttu.edu for more information. And Old Castle Materials. We are the people building Texas. Learn more at oldcastlematerials.com. Texas Talking what was that that you said? Texas talking. Ah. Gonna hoop upside your head. Texas talking. Tell me who can you trust when Texas guys are in Texas Hey everyone, this is Randon Steinhauser with Texans for Education Opportunity, meaning opportunity for all Texans, not just elected officials like Dan Huberty. I'm looking forward to joining Evan and the team this Friday in Houston at the Texas Tribune Public Education Symposium, and I hope to see many of you guys there. Until then, here's your host, the one, the only, the amazing working mom that does it all, Emily Ramshaw. Thank you. This is Emily Ramshaw here with the TribCast for the first week of March. I'm joined, thank God, finally by CEO Evan Smith. I I should have just called in from Bastrop. You could have just, like, Skyped in from the road. From the Schlotzkys in Bastrop. <laughs> is that where you were? That's no, disgusting. I was at, no, I was at the Hyatt West Pines. There's only, only one place to stop. slightly more gross, <laughs> unfortunately. That is the only place to stop. Yeah, Schlotzky's Bucky's is the one place to stop. Bucky's. That's where Patrick yeah. would stop. Schlotzky's is not. <laughs> Do not get me on the subject of Bucky's. Well, you mentioned Schlotzky's, which is, like, revolting. That's even worse. What's wrong with Schlotzky's? That's it's disgusting. Horrible. It's the worst food known to man. Ugh. We need a food podcast at the Tribune. We can have right. that discussion. Reporter, reporter Alexa Ura, who's Hello. joining us, is going to start the food podcast. <laughs> no, those email chains are terrible. I hate them. Our staff email chains. Yeah. Right. It's only about tacos. Torchies. No, don't. Just it's stop. Just, no. We're not going there. Sure, if you want to be like 800 pounds, Torchies is right up your alley. Patrick Patrick is with me on this. <laughs> reporter um, yeah, Patrick Svitek. I'm fine Svitek. with being 800 pounds. Uh, <laughs> no, no. I was referring to the taco part. <laughs> <laughs> Good afternoon. The what? esteem I normally yeah. hold you in is dropping like a rock right now. What is now. your choice? Taco, Ta- taco, taco deli, deli or torchies? If given that choice, I would choose torchies. If oh, given that choice, yeah. that's a conti- very important You can continue to work here. Yeah. Oh problem. Where, where do you come down I wouldn't go to either of those places. What's your problem with that? Oh, she probably makes them at home. She's like a <laughs> well, little culinary wizard. Oh Not God. exactly, but I would choose neither. <laughs> what would you choose? I would go to like one of the little taco places by my house. The little places you would never actually think you would eat at. Torchies is a little taco place by my house. <laughs> it's no. by a lot of people's houses. <laughs> it's by it's a lot of locations. <laughs> I, I didn't say it was an yeah. exclusive relationship. <laughs> All right. do, do you know who the intro was today? No. I don't, know. The intro was Randon Steinhauser uh, ve- being very sassy with Dan Huberty. <laughs> <laughs> Randon Steinhauser, uh, school choice. I have no idea how that Texans for yeah. Education Opportunity. And, um, Evan, you know where she'll be tomorrow, Thursday? You know, she will be somewhere she, she just will be, said. She will be block walking in Dan Huberty's district right, on yeah. behalf of School Choice. I'm sure that's a complete coincidence. And then on Friday, Interesting. she'll be at the she'll Texas She'll be at Tribune's our public, public education, education symposium talking about School Choice. Exactly. Well, why don't you tell us what's going on with School Choice since you had the— Apparently um, it's dead. Uh, apparently. Can we move on to the next topic, <laughs> as Dan Huberty said? If Ross were sitting in here, right. um, think lucky for Ross he's not, he would, uh, want me he to would say nothing—no, he would say nothing is ever dead, Evan. Well, Dan Huberty it, pronounced uh, School Choice uh, yesterday to be dead. And who is Dan Huberty? Dan Huberty is the brand-new chair of the House Public Education Committee. Um, so 
named by Joe Strauss earlier this legislative session. Huberty has been on the Public Ed Committee previously. He was formerly the president of the Umbel Independent School District Board, served on that board for five years as a member. And it was unknown to me, at least, what his position on this issue was. Um, when Jimmy Don Acock decided to retire, and he was very much not for school choice, there was some sense that the choice of chairman would be important because if you appoint, you know, people said, well, maybe Strauss will appoint somebody who'll be more open to school choice. And my stock line was, well, believe me, Matt, Matt Krause is not going to be the chair of public <laughs> education. No offense to Representative Krause. Uh, the speaker is going to appoint somebody who is presumably not a whole lot different than Jimmy Don Acock in terms of his perspective on school choice. Let me tell you that in all the years I talked to Chairman Acock and others talked to Chairman Acock about school choice, Chairman Acock stylistically, he was opposed to it, but it was always kind of quiet, low highs and high lows. Huberty, it appears, is going to be high highs and low lows. Huberty out Acock to Acock yesterday. <laughs> Huberty was vehemently opposed to school choice. In fact, so vehemently opposed that I would say it bordered on dismissive of the of the topic. And I said to him, is this dead? And he said, I believe so, yes. He basically said, all, basically all but said, don't even bother to send a bill over because and it's going to get squa squashed in committee. Evan said, dead, dead, dead? And he said, yes. <laughs> <laughs> you mean like Three dead, dead? dead? Like, um, <laughs> to my mind, the more interesting thing he said was actually not that school choice was dead because he had more or less showed his hand in an interview with the Houston Chronicle right after he was named chairman yeah. where he said basically, I'm not for this. I have concerns about accountability and money migrating out of the system. I said to him at the end, look, that the – the position of the people in the Senate who support this bill is if only the bill were allowed out of committee, there might be enough votes on the floor. Now, I might be skeptical of that. I, you know, I don't think I can get to 76 through any calculation or mechanism if that Senate bill gets over to the House and to the House floor. But the chairman said it is the job of chairman to protect members from difficult votes. So he was essentially committing the political gaffe of telling the truth. Right. Right. <laughs> right? That, which is that what they never say. Which they is never say Basically, it. their job is to protect their colleagues from having to do things that could be used against them in future So elections. my read on Huberty was this bill was going to be smothered uh, like Mayrose Pritzi, uh, if I'm remembering Pritzi's honor correctly. Um, Who's Mayrose I don't Pritzi? Know Did you ever see Pritzi's know. honor? What's that? Oh, man. Pritzi's Honor was a – you have no you. – I've missed way, way Do you know what a movie is, Patrick? <laughs> it's that thing that's on my Netflix. Um, oh, Pritzi's Honor was somebody – Randon Steinhauser has tuned in. This Randon Steinhauser – is Randon Steinhauser block walking in Mayrose Pritzi's district tomorrow? She said Dan Huberty, quote, dismissed the topic of school choice. I, I wouldn't disagree with that, actually. I think that's probably right. Um, yeah. So uh, the, the sense was that the bill was not going to uh, uh, get the votes on the floor of the House, at least as it was indicated to us by the chairman. But the chairman said basically before it even gets to that point, it was going to be smothered in committee, and he himself expressed great reservations about it. I must say that uh, the week prior, we had John Zerwas, the chair of appropriations. John Zerwas's position on uh, school choice was that he was not for it. The Republicans have 94 votes, in the, as I understand it, 94, 94, 94? That sounds about right. In the, in the House. You need 76. So they've got basically 18 votes they can burn. Everybody I talk to in the, in the House, if I ask them in a public setting, are you for this, are you for this? I'm not hearing anything that leads me to believe that they're anywhere near 76 votes, although, of course, as Ross would say and as Randon Steinhauser would say, you get to the end, you may have those votes. But the prospects for school choice passing were not enhanced by Huberty's comments yesterday. Huberty, mm -hmm. let's even, just say. Even early in your interview, and he's not necessarily an expert on what's moving or not moving in the Senate, but he said he's even skeptical that it would make it out of the, the Senate and even come to him. Yeah, I'd bet him a 
a Torchy's taco oh. that it's going to get out of the sand. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, Dan Patrick has called this a, the civil rights issue of our age. And actually, similar language was mentioned by Trump last night uh, in his speech about, about vouchers. And well, this is the point. So Betsy DeVos mm-hmm. is now the education commissioner. And Betsy DeVos's appointment and the fact that school choice is now part of the national conversation is presumably wind at the backs of those in Texas who have sought to get this bill passed over the last couple of sessions. Let us remember that in the last session, there were so few votes, it was assumed for this, that there was never even a vote taken. And the vote two years ago, or two sessions ago, pardon me, was not a vote on the issue, but a procedural vote. The presumption is there's going to be some vote of some kind in this session, but it may be in more in the procedural rather than substantive camp, and um, that this is going to go away pretty quickly. I, I thought the chairman was unusually definitive yesterday. Mm-hmm. And we don't frank. normally hear this much definitiveness. Right. And, and frank right. about trying to protect the members. And how did we know that we made news? Because Brian Rosenthal took a break from accepting awards all over the country to write a little story for the Houston Chronicle saying as much. So tell me, I mean. <laughs> yeah, the ultimate validation. Right. <laughs> exactly. How? Let me give Brian the back yeah. of his polka board right in the face. Right. right. How, when, you know, when you have elected officials basically confessing that they're protecting their colleagues from taking a vote on this. You know, what what does taking a vote on this really mean for the members of the House? I mean, are, is is the sort of, you know, uh, Michael Quinn Sullivan group still strong enough to, like, really sort of terrify these guys about having to take a vote on this issue? Are they worried about scorecards? Yeah, absolutely. I think that's, yeah, that sums it up I mean, the uh, assumption well. is that yeah. they're going to get primaried if they don't support this bill, which I'm not sure is actually the case. Right? Maybe. Yeah, maybe. Is Nobody this might the get a primary. issue that they'd go after? Oh my God! They have a whole menu of issues. Right, right? that's what I'm saying. There's so much. It's else a delicious that they could pick buffet from. of issues for them to go after. I mean, this is only one issue. And here's the thing about school choice, as Patrick and Alexa know, and as you know, Emily, this is not an R versus D issue. Right. This is mm-hmm. an R versus R issue. The reason that school choice does not pass is not because of the Democrats. It does not pass because of the Republicans. And so, it 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 in, in that respect, maybe that does become a primary issue. But I'm not sure that the people who are voting no on school choice are doing so in contravention of the wishes of their district. Yeah. They may, in fact, be voting their districts, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which makes it less likely rather than more likely. A question from Cassie on Facebook. If school Cassie choice- Cassie Pollock, she's in the newsroom. <laughs> Could not just come I, over I and actually ask? don't, it, uh, Bobby says it's not Cassie Pollock from the <laughs> newsroom. Uh, if school choice is, quote, dead, what does that mean for future education funding in Texas? Well, Dan Patrick has said explicitly that, uh, said to me last fall, whether he means it today, the way that he did back then, that he believes you cannot do school finance as a fix in the Mm -hmm. big sense without having some education reform choice. Mm -hmm. His exact words to me back then were, no one without the other. If they don't do school choice, we're not going to do school finance. So conceivably, it could mean quite a lot to the question of whether school finance advances as an issue in this session. But Huberty also said that it would take several sessions for that. He did. He he, he copped to the fact that school finance was not a one-session fix and that they might be able to do a piece of it, but that it was likely to be piecemeal and that future legislative sessions and, for all we know, future chairs of public education would have to take up the cause. Mm -hmm. And and this is one of those issues where Dan Patrick, you know, assuming this – this posture against school choice in the House continues. This is one of those issues where Dan Patrick could turn to Greg Abbott and be like, where are you? Get, you get know, off you, the silence. You, you, but of course, you, Abbott is off the silence. No, he issue? is. I'm saying that's what I'm yeah. saying. I mean, he said you appeared with me at this rally. You've mm-hmm. said you want to sign a school choice bill. I mean, this is one of those issues where you can credibly turn Here, to Abbott. Here's a question. Say, what what could the governor issues, right? Sure. Yeah, but he spoke, he spoke about right? it. But he's What could the governor do? What leverage does the governor have against House members? 
yeah. I, I mean, he could come out very publicly and say, I'll be incredibly disappointed if this is not legislation that makes it to my desk. You know, he did on that him. on pre-K, and what the yeah. House did immediately was zero out the pre-K budget. <laughs> right. I mean, it's so... Yeah, I mean, the House, is, the house has often had Harry this, uh, thrust, baby. middle finger vote to the governor's office. Um, I so, mean, I, I do wonder, though. I mean, here is where the governor could step up and, and be sure, a, yeah, a, yeah, a yeah. strong governor rather than a weak governor. He could say, I don't care what the Constitution says. I'm going to exert my authority in the bully pulpit, and we're going to get this issue out front. What I about a special session? I just wonder if the governor feels strongly enough about it. Yeah, I mean, that's the open question. That's mm-hmm. the yeah. question. Right. Of the things on his, you know, uh, it's, yeah. it's not on the top of his. Governor does not want to have a special session. He's been very clear about that. No, nobody yeah. wants to have a special session. <laughs> well, Dan Patrick has, Memo. Said, he has yeah. said, Dan Patrick has said more recently, I think in the past, at an event in the past weeks here in Austin, that school choice is worth a special session. I'm just not sure the, the Governor Abbott yeah. necessarily. Oh, of course. Right. 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 Other people yeah. have to, I think Dan Patrick probably thinks several things are worthy yeah. of a special <laughs> session. So this is such a hot issue that it even got a Dallas senator uh, into a little bit of hot water this week. Who got angry? This is State Senator Don Huffines, Republican from Dallas. He was apparently, uh, uh, I believe, on Monday addressing a group of students and parents uh, from Richardson ISD. There was a video clip of the uh, of his remarks that were made was made public, and in the video clip, it appeared that he was uh, at least raising his voice uh, with the, uh, <laughs> a, a student who had. Pressed him on uh, the uh, amount that would go into a stipend to help send kids to private schools. Um, this uh, student seemed to be suggesting that the stipend wouldn't be enough to go to um, certain schools in the North Texas area, I guess. And uh, Don Huffines kind of shot back that, you know, you're being selfish uh, by perhaps focusing on some of these more pricey private schools. At least that's how you're, I. You're saying it so <laughs> nicely. Well, I know. <laughs> At I least the Huffines to Speedtech <laughs> translation program right. is producing a slightly different result. I think. Yelling you're selfish at a student when they ask about, you know, children of color and lower income kids being able to afford private school through this proposal is maybe not the best way to go about it. Look at how much trouble Rick Perry got into for calling people heartless over state tuition. Originally, the word of this came over on Monday that this had happened, and it just came over in the form of a headline. And I clicked on it and thought, are they referring to our conversation with Huffines and Enchia on Friday? Because, in fact, a version of what Huffines said in this video in Richardson was what he said at our event on Friday. Because he cited specifically this idea that, well, if you're saying mm-hmm. that the amount of money we're going to provide is not going to be enough to send your kid to St. Mark's or to Green Hill up in the, up in, in the Metroplex, two right. elite Hockaday. private schools, high, yeah. so, high, <laughs> high uh, um, tuition dollar private schools. Yeah, you're right. It's ridiculous, but if, if the reason that we shouldn't do vouchers is because not everybody can go to St. Mark's, that's crazy. That's basically what he said on Friday in our event. He, he didn't. I wouldn't say he yelled it or said it in a way that would have necessarily attracted notice. But the substance or of it, called he said, teenager a teenager selfish. The substance of it, he said. I said he raised his voice. <laughs> Side note. <laughs> that yeah, raised no, his voice. Oh, fine, fine, fine. We all know all teenagers. But Patrick, you're so I mean, nice yes. when you say <laughs> it. I don't want to be a common section. You I'm just here to, I'm here to me to sleep the with the way yeah. you relate the story. Well, Patrick never lulls you to sleep. No, he does. Right. But but he's so nice though. He's so nice. <laughs> Patrick. Anyways, uh, going, going back to the, the actual story. <laughs> On topic. So as this got attention, Huffines' uh, you know, team put out a statement in which he was basically uh, 
uh, I think it was kind of a sorry, but I'm not sorry statement. He said that, you know. definitely sorry, not sorry. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, he addressed it. Which, there was yeah, an you know, apology in it. Yeah, he said that, I believe he said the tone and delivery of his remarks was not up to the standard that he holds himself to and others to. But then he went on to say that he's not going to apologize for uh, defending this policy, believes it's the right policy. And I think toward the end of the statement, he said that he was uh, or suggested he was the victim of an ambush style attack uh, by uh, some people in the room. I don't know if necessarily by that student. Um, and then the next day he was asked about Who it. Who ambushed a, him exactly? Uh, yeah, he was asked about it at a press conference and he kind of delivered the same statement but then made an allusion to uh, liberal PTA activists who may have kind of uh, hijacked the conversation well, in the like room. So placed a student in the classroom. So I think sorry but not sorry is probably the best <laughs> way to sum up the, the response. So this is an interesting add-on to the conversation we had last week about town halls, the idea that there are paid protesters or people are being bussed in to, to, to do this. I mean, that's... It's, it's a PTA. I it's mean, maybe I'm being too them. naive about this, but they're still his constituents, right? I mean, like, when we had Ted Cruz said something not along the same lines, but he called some folks, what was it, bat crap crazy? Bat crap what? crazy. I can't even get through it. Um, but, like, those are those are still his constituents as well. I mean, I think he was referring to Democrats as bat crap crazy, not necessarily his constituents. Yeah. Well, a little, some of, little well, less some of them are his constituents. Yeah. Yeah. In the great Venn diagram yeah. <laughs> of the Ted Cruz constituents. Just be clear, some of his constituents are bat crap crazy. You know some yeah. of them, they're sure. your neighbors. Yeah, yeah right. right. Yeah. I don't know. I just the, the approach and reactions to some of these things are worded. They're not very eloquently worded. Unlike Patrick's uh, line of commentary. So the next sure, time that Emily yeah. yells at me about Taco Deli, I could accuse you her say, of having... You are selfish. It was, an, it was an ambush. Yeah. She's a George Soros-funded <laughs> um, Taco fish. Deli Although enthusiast. If you, fa- if you fact check, that, that actually probably comes back as mostly true. <laughs> Excuse me. Facebook listener Margot Shaw would like us to stay on the issues. <laughs> really? Yeah, you jokers. Mar- Margot, Margo, download the Alec Baldwin podcast if you don't like this one. Okay. Uh, all right, so stop ambushing us. The Alec Baldwin podcast, <laughs> Alec Baldwin podcast <laughs> mostly stays on, on subject. All right, let's go back to an important issue here, and that is same-sex marriage was legalized nationally two years ago. Uh, but Texas Republicans are still fighting about the issue, and in particular about um, benefits to same-sex couples. There was a hearing before the Texas Supreme Court today. Uh, Alexa, what is this particular case, and what's at stake? So this is this is basically Texas Republicans' way of continuing to fight the ruling that legalized same-sex marriage by fighting benefit policies that provide benefits for spouses of employees who are gay or lesbian. And so the idea is that while Obergefell, the ruling, actually legalized same-sex marriage, it didn't actually create sort of this fundamental right for benefits. And uh, you know, folks defending those sort of policies say, one, the state itself has extended these benefits to people. And two, we're not saying that benefits are a fundamental right, but we're saying that Obergefell requires you to treat everyone the same. So if you're going to offer benefits to opposite-sex couples, you also have to do it to same-sex couples. And so what's the, the counter-argument? The idea, you know, the opponents of this one say this isn't, they, they sort of stick on this fundamental right. They kind of point to the way this went through the court, the state court saying that um, there was sort of an error in the way they did that. But at the end of the day, they're hoping that the Texas Supreme Court will issue some sort of ruling that sort of narrows the scope of a Obergefell. And, you know, it's not just sort of these conservative activists behind this Houston lawsuit, but, you know, Greg Abbott has weighed in, Ken Paxton has weighed in, Dan Patrick. They're all hoping that this sort of opens up a way to relitigate Obergefell. Well, so that's my question. Is doesn't the Supreme Court have the final word on this? This Texas the, or US? US. Correct. But maybe this case is going to end up before the US Supreme Court. I mean, that's what they want. The idea is that's that That's what they who 
I think that the opponents of same-sex marriage, folks mm-hmm. in Houston, Republicans at the state level, would like for this to some for the Supreme Court, the Texas Supreme Court, to somehow rule against these benefits. That would probably prompt a federal lawsuit against the state, and then here we go again through all or, the courts or an appeal. I mean, would would the feds would there be a federal lawsuit in under this current administration? Well, it wouldn't have to be. It wouldn't have to be for the administration. You could have a same-sex couple who sues the state over this in Got federal it. court. Got it. So basically, I mean, what do you think the chances are that um, that the sort of the opponents of these benefits win at the state level, at the Texas Supreme Court? Honestly, during oral arguments, a lot of the time was spent discussing whether the Texas Supreme Court even had jurisdiction on the issue and whether it should just is- issue an advisory opinion that wasn't sort of as binding as another opinion would be. And I mean, it sounds like it might come down to a question of jurisdiction and we might end up avoiding sort of all the hoopla that would come from them issuing something that would actually affect a lot of people. So basically the Texas Supreme Court saying, like, this is not even, we don't have jurisdiction here, we're not going to get involved? They were definitely questioning it this morning. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's what they'll decide on, but they had a lot of questions about jurisdiction. They had a lot of questions about why these folks were fighting the Houston policy when the state itself was already providing these benefits mm-hmm. and had been really since days after the Supreme Court's ruling. Uh, so I, I might come down to jurisdiction um, and not an actual ruling on the merits of the case. And I don't know how all this works, but if the Texas Supreme Court doesn't like issue a ruling, they just say they don't have jurisdiction, can there still be an appeal to the Supreme Court, or does it basically end there? I think in doing that, uh, it might hold up the lower court ruling, which allowed this benefits policy to go into place, and I think then nothing would actually change there. But, um, you know, I think that the bigger part of this is that you have this massive landmark ruling, and you've got folks here in the state that are still trying to fight it. Um, you saw sort of these last-minute Um, efforts to fight it during the last legislative session and then Obergefell happened and now you're seeing it through this way. I don't know that it actually gives them what they want in the end. Is there anything that that can happen legislatively as opposed to judicially to bring the walls in on the ability of people in Texas to do whatever they want? I mean, I suppose the legislature could pass some sort of legislation saying that banning the extension of benefits to couples of to same-sex couple Are you aware of anything that's on the books? No, I, I think something like that would immediately be challenged in court, and I don't know that okay. that's... There's not... There's sort of... I haven't heard anything about it, and I don't know that that's the thing that they'd want to go to court over in the session. A couple of questions coming in on Facebook about this. Um, question from Lauren. So what happens to spousal benefits until, you know, until June, basically? Nothing. They remain in place. Nothing will change on that end. Um, and, you know, in Houston, the Houston policy was actually passed before, after DOMA, and then there was an injunction against it, and then once Obergefell happened, those went into effect. So really, it doesn't change anything for people who are receiving benefits now. Obviously, folks are concerned about whether that'll dramatically change in, in June, but for now, everything's fine. And are tax dollars being spent in this case? I mean, who are the two parties in this case? Is the state a party to this case? No, the state is not a party, but they did file a brief. An um, amicus brief or yeah, something, a friend of the part court. Of this. Yeah, right. um, I don't know how, how many tax taxpayer dollars went into that, but it was filed from um, by the Texas Attorney General, and it included Abbott and Patrick in there. And, and the AG's office, among other statewides, are sympathetic to the people pressing this case, right? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I think not only not not only because of the arguments they're making, but politically, these are folks that they generally align with, people right. who help raise money for them and support their causes. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
All right, so Abbott did get one of his um, big priorities through the Senate yesterday, and that was um, the convention of the states. Basically, he wants Texas to be a, a state that sort of is, is calling a convention to amend the U.S. Constitution. Obviously, there's a, there are a lot of hoops something like this would have to go through. What, what was the vote, and, and how does it get us any closer to what Abbott wants? Yeah, so yesterday, the Senate on party line uh, voted through a package of measures that advance this emergency item. I believe there were two resolutions related to it and one piece of legislation. One of those resolutions, I believe, uh, cleared previous calls or previous steps that the Texas legislature has made toward calling for a convention of states. Uh, one of those resolutions was actually the new call this session for a convention of states, and the, the piece of legislation, the bill, was related to the qualifications and, uh, you know, kind of responsibilities of delegates to that hypothetical or, I guess, potential uh, convention of states. Um, I think this was expected. There was a, you know, pretty meaty debate on the, the floor of the Senate yesterday. It went on for a few hours over it. There was a debate over an amendment, uh, you know, that would impose uh, criminal penalties on delegates to this convention of states who uh, did not, uh, you know, quote unquote, who would go, go rogue, rogue, basically. Uh, and um, so, you know, it was a pretty meaty debate. What happened to the, the move House, not to over-criminalize stuff? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that, that seems completely out of sync with a lot of the conversation going on in the building right now, especially on the conservative yeah. end of the party, which is we don't want to yeah. put too many over-criminalizing well, they really don't the like rogue delegates. Yeah, they don't. And it was interesting during that debate, that amendment, which was successful, was opposed by Brian Birdwell, who's a mm -hmm. big convention of states uh, supporter, has why, been working on uh, because he believed it amounted to what you, kind of amounted to what you just brought up, which is that it, it would be criminalizing a, a legislative process. He views this as a legislative yeah. I mean, process. Did all the Republicans in the Senate vote for this? Wasn't there a time? Weren't yeah. the, haven't there historically been Republicans who said that this is you know not something we need well, to do? I, wasn't I Connie, Burton? Connie Burton was opposed yeah. to the convention of the states in principle be, at some point at least because she was concerned that if you held the door open. Mm -hmm. Dirty hippies might walk through it, and the amendments to the yeah. Constitution may be out of sync with what conservatives want. Yeah, I mean the votes, all the Republicans on the on the pieces of <laughs> on these measures yesterday that mattered. Your the, friends, you know, it was it was all the Republicans were on board with it, um, including Connie Burton. Mm -hmm. I believe so. Yeah, and you know there there was a little suggestion of uh, unease with it uh, in the beginning. Jane Nelson, who I, I think it also spoke uh, spoke similarly during committee hearing. Uh, she had she got up on the floor and she said that uh, this is you know she's never been seen her constituents more torn over an issue um, because and of the those convention of yeah wow. <laughs> then uh, you know <laughs> yeah have you heard a single person out in public <laughs> no I don't think people no. know what mention a convention of states even is no were there well, tweets about well, white wigs. Yes. I, I, can I, I mean, you explain these? <laughs> yeah, they're like talking about bringing it back to yeah. the constitutional days where, you know, yeah. they all Can you wore imagine if all the lawmakers wore powdered wigs? Yeah, I mean, I, I used to think David <laughs> Dewhurst. I, I used to think David. They still do. I at one point said on this podcast that David Dewhurst looked like he was he was one powdered wig away from being a founding father. And Travis Considine, the future Mr. Morgan Smith, sent me a powdered wig. I have a powdered An wig. Actual in, powdered I have wig? actually a wig in my office. Was it powdered? A white though? wig. Can you go and grab it oh, right I, now? Did it have powder? Like, if I hit it, did powder come up? No, I don't think, I don't yeah. think that's the case. Uh, question from Mark on Facebook. So what are the specifics on Patrick what... is getting pissed that we're off topic. Oh, no. <laughs> Meanwhile, we have Randon still weighing in, dirty hippies scare everyone. <laughs> She's not going to find any dirty hippies in, 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 in Huberty's district, district, I suspect. Right. Question from Mark. So what are the dirty specifics on the why to vote Huberty, for the convention? I mean, what do they want out of the convention? 
There's a number of things that they want, you know, a balanced budget okay. amendment to the Constitution that would require the, the federal government to balance the budget. Um, I believe term limits is also in there, or it's at least something supporters have, have spoken about. Um, you know, Abbott laid out, I think, a series of nine proposed amendments when he started this push a year ago, and those are those are included in there. But I'm not aware of any pushback yeah. against the idea that if you go to a convention of the states that the call has to be open. Right. Right. That presumably is still a criticism of this or a concern on the. Yeah, there were still concerns about a runaway convention. Those were brought up on the floor yesterday. And obviously hanging over this is, you know, um, (laughs) this all just sounds so wacky. (laughs) Well, yeah, you have to get 30 some states. It's like a fan fiction version of democracy. (laughs) Pass these resolutions. Well, that's the point. You need need 30 others. You're 29. Exactly. So that is a great descriptor of it. Use what? that line again. What? The fan fiction line. Yeah, I've only used that. A You've times. used that oh, a lot. I haven't heard that one. I use that all the time. All right. Um, I don't think a day passes, but I don't say fan fiction. I do want to know if we are having an American Phoenix Part Two in the Texas House. That's the uh, the the Kevin Spacey movie with uh, Chris. <laughs> is that the I horse? I don't know that, what you're talking about again. the horse that won the Triple Crown? What? What is that? What? American what? Phoenix? Are you teasing? Yeah, I'm, I'm teasing. <laughs> oh, all right. Good. American Phoenix was the group last session that was like surreptitiously, you know, recording lawmakers. We got Not, word. I mean, they would sit in the gallery with massive cameras. Well, some, I think some <laughs> I don't of think them surreptitious. Like, <laughs> did they have like no, a, like were, a, a, a fancy mustache? No, you like, right. One guy walked yeah. with a baby. Oh, with a fake baby. I do remember. Where the baby okay. actually was a camera? You're yeah, right. That's yes. surreptitious, okay? Yes, that it is, is the definition. What was the, name of, that, what was the name of that guy? Oh, it was it was God. like an herb. It's been two years. What was his name? It was yeah. an herb. Facebook audience, help us out. Help us remember it that guy. It was like Joe uh, like Time. Name. Joe uh, <laughs> Joe Rosemary. Human. No, no, no. Oh, it was it was basil. Was Joe, it? Joe was basil. Right? Yes. yes. Good. Yeah. I just have some memory that it was an herb. It was yeah. definitely an herb. Yeah. All right. Well, we got word yesterday that Charlie Guerin in the house is asking his colleagues not to surreptitiously <laughs> record each other. So what what's the deal? Like who do we know who's recording? Who what prompted this? Do you just, like, walk around with your phone running, like, just recording? Well, I mean, the room? rumor, of course, we're not in the business of <laughs> You're recording name rumors. Names. No, <laughs> I was going to say the rumor. I know the names. Well, yeah. I'm not going to name names. But I'm not naming names. The rumor mm. is some relatively new elected officials were, well, you know. Well, that narrows like, it down. <laughs> uh, were, like, on their iPhones hitting record while their colleagues were talking. What have you heard? I don't know anything. <laughs> you don't know anything? Come on. Patrick's too nice to know. I was, on, I was following the Convention of States thing. We worked on this yesterday. You guys can Evan, dish. what's the deal with this? I, I've heard some names. Okay, we don't need to name names necessarily, but why is this happening? Or why do you think Charlie Guerin? Why is does like... the sun come up? I don't know because people are rat. Is, is this, is this an, an effort to document uh, maneuvering behind closed doors by House leadership or by or maybe they ask, senior members? Are they asking specific questions? So if, if, I'm, if, I'm, if I'm going to be if I'm going to be specific about the rumors, I'm not going to be specific about the individuals who are cited in the rumors. But I will say that I have heard that there are conversations around the use of the rainy day fund. Right. That have been the basis for this. Hmm. Sure. Well, that would, yeah. That would make sense. And trying to pin each other down. Wow. So, a wonk's version of controversy. Not the rainy day fund. Oh so my God. It. Cats and dogs voting by a two thirds margin to live together. Amazing. Here we are, the Texas Trade Union, your nonprofit newsroom, bringing power to the people. All right. Wait, let me get that powdered wig. Yes, get your powdered wig. Uh, that's all the time we have. If you have questions or comments, you can email them to tribcast at texastribune.org or esmith at texastribune.org. <laughs> Thanks to Shiny Herbs for doing our music. And on behalf of Evan, Patrick, Alexa, and our producers, Todd and Bobby, this is Emily. Thanks for listening. Texas talking. Texas talking. Texas talking.
Did the Supreme Court solve the same-sex marriage problem? Totally. Okay, good. It's all done. We're done. I wasn't paying attention.